Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to another edition of After Hours with Tifo and Luby, Jeff DeForest, and Mike Louie Lubitz here on the Believe Network. And we welcome to the show as the NBA playoffs are now underway after the first couple of playing games last night. Uh, and of course, a couple of more on tap tonight. Longtime NBA writer, reporter, and analyst, and now uh, doing it for Heavy.com. Good friend of the program here and uh, all of our uh, many platforms over the years. Uh, Sean Devaney joins us here on the program. Sean, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you, Defo? I uh, couldn't be better because, uh, you know what, it's hard to live with Mike Luby Lubitz, as you probably <laughs> discovered here just uh, from our conversations yeah. over the years. And uh, he's one of those sports fans, never mind his role as a broadcaster and supposed to be an unbiased and, uh, you know, just an even-tempered analyst. But he's one of those guys that roots for his team to lose so they might get more favorable situations uh, when they uh, come about in the playoffs. And uh, he was among the many who said, well, the wild card factor here is the Brooklyn Nets. We don't know if they're even going to get into the playoffs uh, as recently as a couple of weeks ago. Then they get in and they're in the play in game seven versus eight. They host that Kyrie Irving is now available to play in New York City. So the games in Brooklyn, they seem to hold all the advantages. Uh, Durant has been playing great. The supporting cast has been all right. Uh, so uh, sure enough that they go out there as a seven seed and they win. So now there's a seven seed. And he, he's actually happy now because he, he was praying that the Heat would uh, end up in second place in, in case the Nets ended up as the eighth seed. And so now he realizes that the uh, you know road has opened up a little bit for his beloved Miami Heat. But uh, how dangerous are the Brooklyn Nets? There was a period there, and I don't know if you watched that game, but uh, at the uh, last few minutes of the first quarter where, where they looked as good as anybody that you would see in basketball. And so uh, how much yeah, danger yeah. do you see them as after winning that game last night? Yeah, I mean, it was 40 to 20 at the end of the first quarter. And that, that uh, uh, if you're in the Eastern Conference, that's sort of what you fear, is that that's the Brooklyn team that's going to show up. You know, Kyrie Irving making his first 12 shots. Um, you know, if you get that out of Kyrie, obviously, uh, that, that's tough to handle. Uh, and then if they can somehow, some way, get Ben Simmons back and have him be productive at all on either end of the, even just as a defensive stopper on the perimeter, they become that much more dangerous. So, uh, yeah, you know, Miami's gain was Boston's loss. You know, the Celtics will now have to face uh, Brooklyn, and, and, and that is a daunting, daunting task. So, uh, yeah, I mean, they're as good as anybody in, in the Eastern Conference, you know, uh, even without Ben Simmons, just because when you've got Kevin Durant, when you consider what they almost did last year, you know, they almost, they had Milwaukee in a game seven. If Kevin yes. Durant makes a three instead of a two and his foot was on the line, you know, they win that game, they win that series. Uh, you know, that, that that's how close it was for the Nets. Uh, you know, without James Harden, without uh, uh, without uh, Kyrie Irving, with those guys only playing part time last year, so uh, yeah, they're going to be as dangerous as anybody, uh, despite being uh, just the number seven seed. All right, Simmons uh, has been a non factor; he hasn't played. Uh, are, are they uh, benefiting from addition by subtraction by getting rid of James Harden at the point that they did? And uh, how do you see Harden impacting? Well, what Philadelphia is going to have to do as they take on another team that a lot of people consider a sleeper in the East, the Toronto Raptors in that series. 
Yeah, that's that's going to be interesting. Uh, but you know, as far as as far as the Nets, yeah, they 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 definitely uh, the way this season had progressed, and and James Harden had spent all of uh, you know about ten months uh, in Brooklyn before he found he was disgruntled, and it really raised some questions about you know what uh, what's making this guy tick. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, so he was there such a short time. Uh, before they had to move him and, and, and they were sort of forced to move. It wasn't something that they really wanted to do. Uh, but at the same time, you know, being rid of him, you know, being rid of that headache, being rid of, uh, you know, a, a guy who didn't want to be there uh, has, has certainly benefited them. Uh, and, you know, I, some of the things they did in that in that deal, you know, especially getting Seth Curry, uh, you know, he's, uh, he's shot 47% from the three-point. He's been fantastic for them. Uh, you know, that's sort of an underrated part of that deal. They needed a shooter like that. Uh, uh, with Joe Harris, I'll don't forget that he hurt his ankle. He's one of the best shooters in the league. So to be able to replace Joe Harris with Seth Curry, that's been huge for them uh, in that deal. So, uh, yeah, you know, the Nets, uh, a lot has gone wrong for them, but there's still time for it, for it to go right. Uh, and, yeah, you know, James Harden, we all know, that James Harden and Doc Rivers are sort of in the same situation, and that is that, uh, you know, Rivers has at least won a championship once, uh, but he has been known more lately for uh, for colossal failures, you know, blowing three one leads and uh, and and what happened with Philadelphia against Atlanta last year. Uh, so Doc Rivers is on the hot seat there a little bit, and so is James Harden. You know, I mean, he's 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 been a a a pretty uh, standard failure when it comes to the playoffs as well. After hours with Devon Luby here on the Believe Network, talking with Sean Devaney, Heavy dot com NBA editor, writer, reporter. Uh, the other part of that series, because uh, the Nets are in and they will be taking on the Boston Celtics, is the Celtics, the team that's been the hottest team in the NBA the last two months. Um, they, Jason Tatum and, and uh, Jalen Brown figured out their issues. Tatum's playing as well as anyone in the NBA. And then they lose Robert Williams, a guy that a lot of people don't know who the hell he is, but a- around NBA circles, they sort of winced the moment the Celtics lost Williams because the Celtics have become known as a defensive team, and he's their defensive stalwart in the middle what does that do for that series? Because the Nets should be the underdog in that series. And the way they're playing offensively, we understand their defensive inefficacies is ridiculous. But their offense is so scary that the Celtics now without a Williams. What does that loss do for the Celtics in that series? And who would you consider the favorite in that series? Yeah, it's a huge loss. I mean, honestly, and this might sound strange, uh, but you know, losing Robert Williams might be as damaging to them as, as, as losing Jalen Brown would be. Um, you know, obviously Brown's uh, uh, the all-star player, yeah. uh, but they they could score enough without him. With Williams, what he does for that defense, uh, you know, such an anchor for them. Uh, he can switch. He's six eight. You know, going against uh, Kevin uh, uh, Durant, that's a guy that you really want to have out there, uh, and you can't. And and the guy you're replacing him with is Daniel Tice, who's who's okay, but he's sort of a stiff. You know, he's sort yeah. of a uh, you know just a, just a guy who goes out there and, and and can hack you a little bit, can foul, can occasionally make a three. Uh, it's a steep drop from Robert Williams to Daniel Tice. Um, and, and, you know, Williams is so athletic. He's also been good on the offensive end. He's a very good passer and an excellent finisher on those alley-oops. When they, when they get stuck offensively, a lot of times they just kind of throw it up and he goes up and gets it and, 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 and could dunk, uh, because he's so athletic. Uh, you know, he's a little bit of a safety net. So it really does hurt them. Um, you know, like I say, you know, obviously Tatum would be the toughest guy to lose. I'd almost say Robert Williams would be the second toughest guy to lose, uh, even with Jalen Brown on that team. So, uh, 
uh, yeah, that, that, that's going to be really tough for them to handle Brooklyn uh, without him. There's a chance we can come back later in the playoffs, uh, but going up against Brooklyn, there might not be a later in the playoffs yeah. for the Celtics, uh, you know, not, not, not in this matchup. That'd be wild, too, because the Celtics uh, certainly look great last two-thirds yep. of the season, uh, as uh, good as anybody in basketball, including, uh, it seemed like, maybe just short of the Phoenix Suns. Uh, how much uh, better? A lot of people now, all of a sudden, they're buying into the idea that the East, because they have so much depth uh, of quality teams, what was far better than the West was this year. Uh, how much better, in your estimation, and how much more difficult uh, of a road is it through the East than it will be through the West, Sean Devaney? Yeah, I think it's, it's it's much more difficult. You know, I think you've got uh, at least four, and you mentioned Toronto. Uh, if you threw them in, uh, you know, you'd be up to about six teams, really, that have a realistic chance uh, of winning the East, and that's, that's going to be tough. Um, you know, I think Milwaukee, to me, is still the favorite just because uh, they've got the experience. Uh, I, I think they've sort of uh, hung back in the weeds a little bit, and now they're ready to play their best basketball, and they've been playing their best basketball uh, recently. So, uh, you know, I think Milwaukee's still the favorite. And then, you know, on that next tier, I think you'd really have Miami, uh, a healthy Celtics team you probably have there, uh, but they're not healthy. So I think you'd probably have Miami and Brooklyn on that second tier, and then the Celtics, uh, Sixers and Raptors uh, on that third tier. But, you know, you've got six teams realistically who come out of the East and make the NBA Finals. Um, so that, 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 that's much different in the West, where to me it's really Phoenix. And, and Phoenix is the best team in the league. So, you know, at, at the top, you'd have to say the West is better. Uh, but, yeah, to, to me, you've really got Phoenix. Uh, and, and if anybody's going to knock off Phoenix, to me, it's probably going to be Golden State. Um, you know, Memphis has had a great year, very inexperienced. So uh, Dallas the same way. You know, they've, they've, they've sort of muddled along and been, been okay, but they don't strike me as an NBA final team. So, uh, you know, I think it's either Phoenix or Golden State in the West. But like I said, the East would probably have six teams that potentially could come out there. Sean, and yes, Steve made fun of me, but I I am a sort of heat-centric being South Florida, born and raised, and follow the heat, and they are the number one seed. Um, It does feel like, like Defo was telling me for the last month, win is all you should worry about, and if you win, things will work out, and it did. They actually have, I don't know if it's an easier route, but the easier route than if you're the Celtics or the Bucks. Um, But what's interesting, two teams that could be on the route, the Sixers and the Hawks, about a month ago, <laughs> the Sixers were the team everyone was scared of. And James Harden and Embiid were just scary. And then Harden became old man. And we're sort of wondering what the hell happened. What will he be? And the other team I'm sort of confused about is the Hawks. They were, by the end of the last season, pretty scary. And they sort of had the bucks against the wall. They had all these guys that could shoot. They were playing good defense. They were young. They didn't know better. And then this year happened, and I haven't heard about the Hawks the entire season. What have you seen with the Sixers the last month or so? What have you seen with the Hawks all year? Yeah, you know, uh, certainly the Hawks are, are – I would kind of compare them to, to the Knicks and what the Knicks did uh, last year to this year where, you know, you kind of you, – you get some momentum, uh, you get some, some chemistry going, and, and you play above uh, where you really are. And, and that's what was going on with the Hawks. I mean, they, they – uh, uh, they were not. They were able to string together a decent enough defense last year to where the fact that they could score so much, uh, you know, they were they were going to let that shine. As long as you play average defense, if you can score the way the Hawks can, uh, then 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 you're going to be pretty good. And that's what happened last year. This year, the defense fell apart, and and you know, teams were able to pick that apart. Uh, they were able to pick apart uh, their weaknesses, find their weaknesses, uh, 
and that that's what really showed. So that was the real difference uh, with the Wolves with the Hawks. You know, the Sixers. It, 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 it's been it's been difficult for them because um, you know Embiid and and even Harden. Um, you know, Harden struggled obviously. Uh, Embiid has been himself. I think the problem is that that dropping Harden into a team like that in the middle of the year has really proven to be uh, much more difficult than I think they thought it would be. Uh, you know, Tobias Harris, if you look at his numbers since uh, since James Harden came to Carroll, but, you know, he's, he's, yeah. he's you know, been averaging like 10, 12 points a game. He can't shoot. Like, hey, everything's just falling apart for him. Uh, and that, that's sort of what's happened is, is that everything has gone uh, and been so hardened focused that, that everybody else, you know, which, which was one of the strengths of their team was their depth, that everybody else has really struggled. So, um, you know, that's, that's been a real problem for them. If Harden is not shooting well, which he hasn't been, if Harden's not scoring, uh, you know, big numbers, you know, putting up uh, 28, 29, 30 points a game, which he hasn't been doing, uh, then, then the rest of that team outside of Embiid has really been struggling. So uh, they, are, they are not looking uh, at their uh, in peak form here heading into the playoffs, no question. I think a lot of that is um, you know, not just what Harden's doing, but also the way the other players around him have reacted to him. Sean Devaney of Heavy.com with us here on After Hours with Defoe and Luby. Jeff DeForest, Mike Luby Lubitz on the Believe Network. Uh, all right. Uh, we're inclined to be of a degenerate nature here. Uh, you can probably pick that up from <laughs> no. our conversations about point spreads and like odds in, in the past. <laughs> you can actually bet as to whether or not uh, LeBron James is going to return to the Lakers on uh, many sites. And uh, there, there are two props uh, that he would end up elsewhere at the very, very – uh, large odds, but nonetheless, uh, that they're being offered up that he would either end up at Golden State or Cleveland. Uh, do you see, I mean, uh, well, in your uh, heart of hearts, uh, do you see LeBron James, who is, uh, I guess, not only the star, but coach and GM yeah. of the Los Angeles Lakers, uh, do you see him leaving Tinseltown, where all his business interests are and where he worked so hard to get? Uh, two years after winning a championship, do you see him defecting to one of these other teams? You know, it, it's interesting because it, it, it's sort of indicative of the way that, like, he, he said a couple things during there. So he said recently that he wouldn't mind playing with Steph Curry. Uh, and all right. of a sudden, it's, well, LeBron's going to coach you, uh, Golden State. Uh, and he mentioned before that, well, he wouldn't be opposed to going back to Cleveland. His wife, I think, had something on Instagram or something earlier. And, you know, it's one of those social media things. And and, uh, uh, and ever since then, well, maybe he'll go back to Cleveland. Uh, and, uh, no, of course not. You know, he's, he's, he's in LA because that's where he wants to be in terms of his other businesses. Don't forget he's, you know, big in the entertainment industry and all that. So, uh, he's, he's going to stay in LA. We'll see what happens when Bronny comes into the league. You know, that, that, that might be a, uh, if the Lakers can't get him somehow, uh, then, then, uh, you know, maybe, maybe LeBron would look to sign somewhere, uh, with him. That, that's the only way he's going to leave LA is, uh, uh, is to play with his son. But, until then, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's staying put. I think he ends up playing with his son uh, for some team in Turkey. Uh, that's <laughs> yeah, that's more likely good. to happen than uh, <laughs> in the NBA. Although, uh, you know, I haven't seen his son play, he's but uh, it sounds to me like he, he may have to make other arrangements, uh, LeBron James, uh, if he wants to play with his son. Uh, uh, all right. Uh, now, speaking of playing with somebody, uh, and uh, LeBron, I guess, has voiced his opinion that he would be in favor of Mark Jackson replacing Frank Vogel as the head coach of the Lakers. Uh, Vogel was fired uh, yesterday, as a lot of people anticipated. And uh, you have to wonder what that uh, you know means uh, for Rob Palenka. 
who uh, looks like Rob Lowe, but uh, nonetheless, uh, you know, he's made a lot of these decisions also. But um, everybody's been mentioned. This is like a clockwork orange. They they have Juwan Howard going there, Nick Nurse going there, Mark Jackson. Jackson, uh, What do you see uh, on the horizon there as far as the Lakers head coach situation goes, or uh, is it impossible to tell because, uh, like, Kurt Rambis is making a decision? (laughs) Yeah, that that remains a, a a bizarre side note to the way the Lakers are run. Is that Kurt Rambis has uh, as much say as he does? But uh, yeah, you know, I, I mean, there's been a bunch of names that I've heard. Obviously, uh, you know, Nick Nurse comes from the fact that he's with Clutch, Clutch Sports. Yep. Uh, you know, it's Rich Paul, and 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 they represent Anthony Davis, LeBron James, Taylor Horton. Sorry, you know, Clutch has a pretty strong grip on, or pretty strong clutch, I guess to say, over the Lakers. Uh, and, and, and so that's where that comes from. And I think that really came from Rich Paul, uh, you know, basically wanting to, uh, pump up his client, Nick Nurse. Uh, I don't think there's any real chance that that'll happen. Uh, I've heard John Calipari as well, you know, that, that, that he's getting a little tired of, uh, uh, of the, uh, uh, of the grind of the college season and, and, uh, uh, he could possibly look to join the NBA. And, and of course, the Lakers on the team that's always been mentioned. Again, I know that's, that's, that's a long shot. I think Mark Jackson's probably the most realistic just talking to people. Uh, you know, Jackson is, is desperate to get back in. Uh, and that's a job that, uh, is, is fit for a desperate man. You know, that's, that's, that, that's the kind of job right now that, uh, when you look at that roster, you look at where they are, you look at, um, you know, what's going on in the front office. Uh, you know, you need, you need two things. You need a big name and you need a desperate big name. And Mark Jackson is a desperate big name. So uh, certainly, um, you know, he's got good relationship with players. So uh, he is probably to me the favorite at this point. How much money do you think is going back to uh, the Turner Trust uh, because the Lakers are not in the postseason. <laughs> and there's no LeBron. I mean, uh, it's pretty wild to think of no a postseason LeBron. with no LeBron. Second time in four years. Yeah. 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 It's been a long time. And, and, you know, I, I, you know, the, the, the league has to be ready for this. I have a sense that it is not, um, you know, that, uh, uh, you know, obviously this, this Steph Curry and, 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 and but, but, you know, he's in his thirties now yeah. too. Yep. Um, you know, I, I've, I've, I've gone through this. You guys have been around for a while. If you remember, uh, you know, 1999, 2000, yeah, when, yeah. when, uh, Michael Jordan retired. Things were things were a little grim, yeah, uh, you yeah. know, and and uh, uh, that's that's the. It seems like we're heading back to that sort of era, um, you know. If, if if the NBA doesn't have because you know when you really look at it, who are the the twenty three, twenty four, twenty five year olds who are really capturing the national imagination? I don't see that right now. So uh, that's 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 going to be something the league's going to have to be pretty conscious of. Sean Devaney, Heavy.com, our guest here on After Hours with Tifo and Luby on the Believe Network. Uh, well, a couple of teams that, that we really didn't uh, get that into, but uh, it seems to me that they could easily meet again in the championship round, the Milwaukee Bucks yeah, and the Phoenix the Suns. <laughs> now, you mentioned, uh, Sean, that you believe that, you know Phoenix to be the best team, and you know certainly that was borne out by their record and the way they performed all, all season long, uh, whether they had Chris Paul or not. And they've had uh, injury issues, and uh, you had to book around for periods of time. Uh, but uh, nonetheless, I mean, uh, they were razor sharp uh, all year long, uh, bell to bell. And, and the Milwaukee Bucks uh, started out a little bit slowly, but, uh, you know, certainly in my mind, uh, Loom is uh, probably the primary threat uh, to come out of the East. Uh, they open up against the Chicago Bulls, who had a real good season, but kind of faded towards the end. And so it seems like they have not necessarily a buy in the first round, but uh, an excellent stepladder to make it to the 
second phase of the postseason tournament. Uh, what, what do you think? Uh, could we be looking at and overlooking the obvious and be looking at a rematch of last year's finals to decide the NBA championship? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, I think I think Milwaukee make a great point there that that they did not come storming out of the gates. I think that was probably by design. You know, where they wanted to you know, play some young guys and not not put too much pressure on uh, on on Giannis and and their star players. Uh, but down the stretch, uh, uh, you know, those guys have all uh, stepped up their game. Um, you, you know, they've had guys miss games as well. You know, Giannis missed 15 games. Uh, Drew Holiday missed 15 games. Chris Middleton missed 16. Um, you know, that's 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 their uh, their version of a big three right there, and 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 they all missed significant time. Uh, but you know, they're coming into this well rested. They're coming in playing uh, very good basketball. Uh, defensively, they've been really good. Uh, Drew Holiday's been playing. You know, maybe the best basketball of his career. Uh, this, this this season, especially down the stretch, he's shooting 50% from the field, 41% from the three-point line. Uh, you know, he's been really, really terrific and, and, and probably hasn't gotten enough attention for how good he's been this year. Uh, so, yeah, you know, it's uh, uh, Milwaukee to me, uh, especially having done it, you know, you see you see that time and time again that, that a team that takes a few years to figure it out, once they get it figured out, you know, they become very, very dangerous at this time of year. So, uh, yeah, I would definitely say that with Milwaukee. And, and, and Phoenix, you know, they're, they're such a young team around Chris Paul that you could really watch those guys mature this year. You know, Cam Johnson off the bench, uh, Bridges as, as fantastic as he was defensively. Uh, you know, Devin Booker is only 25, uh, and we saw the steps forward that, that, that he took. Uh, DeAndre Ayton, you had the, you know, contract kerfuffle there that, uh, uh, you know, we couldn't get the – uh, the, the extension that he wanted um, and, and could have come out and, and, and really let that affect the, the way he played, uh, he played better. You know, he, he had a great season. So, uh, you know, these guys are all 23, 24, 25. Uh, they've all taken a step forward in Phoenix. So, um, you know, I think that's, that's, that's the difference with Phoenix is, is that you've got young guys who, who got a taste of it last year uh, and, and are more mature this year coming back. So, uh, so yeah, they, they've, to me, they've got to be. The, I, I would have them as the favorite to win it all, uh, and I'd probably have Milwaukee as the favorite to come out of the East. Again, you know, like I said before, it's realistically there's six teams that could come out of the East, yeah. uh, but I, you know, I, I would have Milwaukee as the favorite. Sean Devaney, Heavy.com with us. Uh, one more thing, if you don't mind, uh, Sean, because uh, it recently came sure. up. Adam Silver was upset with the idea that many star players are held out of too many games, and because they don't play, some of the appeal of the league. And some of the luster the of the season. NBA is uh, blemished uh, a little bit. Uh, it was suggested to have uh, less games. That would be the solution to the problem. These stars arbitrarily sitting out and, uh, you know, the fans are always disappointed. They pay money, extra money, even sometimes to uh, see a LeBron James mm-hmm. visit to their arena. And then uh, LeBron's in street clothes and it's a bitter disappointment, you know. Uh, so, uh, you know, that syndrome obviously is something impactful for the NBA. Would you ever see the NBA considering the obvious solution, which would be uh, to the problem that Adam Silver seems to think is a compelling issue with the league? Would they ever consider shortening the season to, say, 70 games or some number that that was less than 82? I I mean, they could. Uh, I I think that what Adam Silver knows about that, though, is that 
that's not going to solve the problem. But look, if you, uh, they already did something to, to try to address this, right? They tried to limit the number of back-to-backs. They stretched out the season, shortened the 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 uh, uh, the, the, the preseason, uh, gave a whole week off for the All-Star break, and the thinking being, well, this will this will allow more players to play more. The problem is that there's always going to be science that shows that if you rest a guy here, it's going to be beneficial for him. If you rest a guy, uh, you, you know, for two days here, it's going to be beneficial for him. And as long as teams can look at that and say, you know, we'll give up a game in February or, or a couple of games in, in December to keep our guys healthy and fresh, you can have 70 games, you can have 60 games, you can have 50 games. Uh, you know, there's, there's still going to be science that says, you know, we, it'd be better if this guy sat out this game. As long as that's the case, He's going to keep doing it. You know, they've got, they've got, you know, $30 million a year invested in a player. If, if they've got to sit him a game, then that's what they're going to do. Uh, and, and so I, I don't think shortening the season is really going to, to do much to, uh, to, to affect this. Um, you know, the, the, to me, the thing to do would be to have sort of a clearinghouse, you know, a medical clearinghouse where if somebody's going to sit out, then, you know, you've got to send a reason and, 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 and there's got to be NBA doctors who verify that, yes, this guy is hurt. Um, and, uh, and, and, and if they're not hurt, then they get docked to pay. They don't get paid for that game. If, if it's just a rest game, you don't get paid. Uh, and, and, and that might change things a little bit. I don't know. That's, 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 uh, that's the only idea I have to really address it, but I don't think shortening the season, uh, is really going to do it because like I say, you're always going to have a doctor who's going to step in and say, you know what, it'd be beneficial if you got rest here. Uh, and, and as long as that keeps happening, then, uh, then they're going to continue to have this problem. Only Greg Popovich, yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> workload, I yeah. think he invented the terminology uh, workload, but uh, I can't imagine the players' union would ever go for a deal where uh, if the uh, doctors couldn't agree that a player was injured, that he would get docked the game's pay. That, uh, that, that right. would be a tough no, they, sell, they, I would imagine, you know, with the union for sure. So uh, they'll have to come up nope. with something. All right, excellent stuff, Sean. Thanks, we'll look Sean. for your work, uh, heavy.com. Of course, very exciting time. Hope to talk to you a few times during the course of the postseason. And hopefully Miami uh, but will stay in there so that Luby will remain sane <laughs> and not have to be Baker acted, <laughs> at least through the first round. Well, it looks like they might draw the Cavaliers uh, in all likelihood. But uh, thanks so much for being with us. And uh, it's always a pleasure. Thanks for being with us on After Hours. Okay, thank you, guys. Sean, thanks. Sean Demony. I love it. Been in the league for a long time. I give the national media crap for not talking about the the Heat. So of course we don't talk about the Heat. I just I, there's just not much to say with them. I think right now you know they're there, and I think they'll be a con- contender. But the Bucks, even by my standards, are the favorites. So to me, the Heat, I, there's not much to say about them right now. You you probably could throw a ring around any number of teams. I mean, does anybody really know? Does anybody really know what time it is? Does anybody really know what's going to happen in that Boston Nets series? Are the Nets, Nets going to hold up across seven games? The yeah, Nets I mean, obviously you're facing dangerous talents in Kyrie Irving and, and uh, Kevin Durant, and, and they played in good symmetry in last night's game yes. when, when they had to win one. And, you know, leave it to Kyrie to say he's always wanted to play in a play-in game, that this was you know, like a great mean? experience for him. It's like no, you, you'd rather be the fourth seed, of course. Kyrie would rather play the extra. Uh, you game. know, have off until Sunday. What are you talking about, Kyrie? Only crazy Kyrie. man, I'm sugar and nut. Yeah, he, <laughs> he really comes up does. with a lot of bizarre stuff. Really but uh, Durant's uh, been all in. I mean, Durant's been very committed. Yeah, yeah. And uh, playing some great basketball, so they uh, loom as a danger. But uh, look, Tatum been fantastic. Uh, Jalen Brown been great. Uh, the whole team you mentioned is Williams guy. Uh, you know, is a, a loss for sure it's for the uh, Boston defense. 
And uh, he, he was a big factor, even though nobody's yeah. ever heard of him. So, uh, you know, that uh, definitely is a concern. But, uh, you know, it wouldn't surprise, uh, you know, anybody if that what any number like people have been saying on the shows. They may win, any number yeah. of five teams, you know, came out of the Eastern Conference as a champion. Uh, the Heat's certainly representative, though. I mean, they're solid. And, and the thing, though, that may be somewhat of a compromising factor is, is that they probably have to change their M.O. If you go by any of the tenants and guidelines of playoff basketball, they, they always shorten the rotation. And you're down to playing uh, seven, eight. You know, I don't know. Do you play nine guys in the Heat? have gotten such valuable contributions from deep on their bench, and that's been one of the reasons for their success. So does Spolstra capitulate to common wisdom and play less guys in the postseason? And if he does, is he hurting a lot of that supposed, you know, I mean, it was obvious uh, chemistry and symmetry that they had by playing as many guys as they did. What I've learned from Spolstra, and I was as critical of him as anyone early on with rotations, because he lost an NBA Finals because of his rotations, because he was not veteran enough to get in LeBron's head and say, look, man, you're being guarded by fucking Jose Barea, old man Sean Marion, old man Jason Kidd. You should average 40, 15, and 10 and win your first title. And then his rotations in that series were another joke. Like, he would play Carlos Arroyo way too much, and he would play Mike Bibby. He just, his rotations early on were an atrocity. But since then, he's proven me wrong in the sense that he's gotten really good at it. There was a... a Two-week stint where he capitulated to stars and money spent and forced in Oladipo and Morris. And when he did that and sat Vincent and Struess, it ruined everything. To me, Strollstra's at his best when he just says, screw Riley, screw NBA rules, screw conventions, and goes. Because he is one of the forerunners for this brand of basketball that won the Warriors multiple titles. When he's Eric Spolstra, the visionary, it's really hard to beat him. So I'm hoping he doesn't worry about the unwritten rules and all that crap about the playoffs. Play as many guys as are playing well. Like, when Struis is playing well, don't sit his ass. You know, when Robinson's struggling, put him on the bench. Like, if Spolstra go play coaches this way, this team's really hard to beat. The only time this team has been beatable is when Spolstra outthinks himself. All right. Uh, let's hope that doesn't we'll happen. Yeah, we'll uh, you know, I'm with you. I don't know that he needs to say screw Riley, although Riley would be inclined to play... Only five guys. That's what I'm saying. Riley goes very like yeah. low bench, and that's fine if it's working. But if it's not working, don't ride it out too long. Like have a short leash on the idea of you can only play seven guys. No, if you have three guys that are playing really well when they're in there, put them out there. If they do draw the Cavs, I guess Charlotte and Atlanta are the other possibilities. Although uh, both of those teams would have to uh, not only win tonight but then uh, beat the Cavs on Friday night. And uh, so, you know, they, they have an arduous road and have to go on a road to do it. Uh, but if they do uh, play the Cavs, any of those three teams, they don't necessarily have to be at their best. So they might have a chance to experiment a little bit uh, in that series because I would imagine, you know, the way the Heat have played this year and performed uh, at home, that uh, they would handle any of those three teams in five games. That's uh, my prediction That's right here on the show. There you go. All right, so there you have it. You don't need to watch the playoffs. We, we've just it's given you done. everything. Uh, thanks to Sean Devaney. Does a great job, and This guy's been uh, with a lot of uh, organizations yep. over the years, and uh, Heavy.com right now is a current uh, residence uh, as an analyst and a writer, and he does a tremendous job. Sean Devaney, we thank him uh, for joining us here on After Hours. Luby, it's always a pleasure. We'll do it again tomorrow. Well, I'm sir. Jeff DeForest. This should be exciting as uh, we have more NBA playoff action, getting closer to the Stanley Cup chase getting underway, and uh, Major League Baseball already uh, now uh, starting to uh, see a few patterns. Yeah. 
like our Miami Marlins getting screwed by the umpires in virtually every game. Don Mattingly, as calm as he is, is going to have a stroke. He, he really is. And he, he's going to be passed out on a bench one day uh, with uh, people trying to revive him. He's not an Earl Weaver yeah. dude. Like, he's not Bobby Valentine. He's not one of these guys. Like, he doesn't just lose it. So for him every game to be frustrated, th- there's something going on. Awful last night. This is one of the worst calls I've ever seen, uh, you know, where, where instant replay. I, I mean, I, I don't know. I got another look at it afterwards, and I thought, well, maybe there's a slight chance that the umpires were correct on this. But, uh, you know, it led to the winning run, and, and would not. you would have to say you could never anticipate what would have happened. But you know, a guy is on second base. He moves to third on a wild pitch, scores on an infielder's uh, choice, fielder's choice play, uh, where uh, Mickey Rojas bobbled a ground ball and then threw to home too late, walk off uh, fielder's choice, if you will. And that all happened because uh, they looked at an instant replay that clearly seemed to indicate that the runner was out and, uh, you know, not even debatable a couple of different angles that I saw. And I'm sure Manningly saw it. Everybody else saw it. Uh, Janice Chisholm, who was the fielder on the play, who made the tag, was, was kind of laughing like, okay, you may as well run right into the dugout. He's telling the runner because, uh, look, look on the big screen here. You're out. And they let the call stand. So, you know, always debatable. I mean, why have instant replay if you're going to get it wrong on top of that? Exactly. After all of the delays. But I, I don't know how anybody, Stevie Wonder, couldn't have missed this one. <laughs> so that's two nights in a row, a hose by the umpires. Balls and strikes the night before led to a big hit that turned, you know, turned the game around. And uh, this actually led to the game-winning situation and made it very easy for the Angels to prevail. So uh, Don Manningly, uh, if his hair is standing up like Don King... <laughs> He may not have hair by the end of the year. He's going to pull it all out. He's going to end up afflicted with trichotillomania, that thing where you pull your hair out of your head and then start eating it. I think he's uh, going to be, uh, you know, having to see, uh, you know, uh, some kind of internal uh, medicine guy figure out how to get rid of all of the hair in his stomach. All right. A uh, lot of fun being with you today. Uh, thanks to Sean Devaney for joining us. Uh, always a pleasure, Mike Luby Lubitz. You as well. That's it uh, for After Hours. Uh, Defoe and Luby, Jeff DeForest, Mike Luby Lubitz. And uh, we leave you with the thought that, and I'm going to carry this on my walk of life. As I go out there into the beautiful sunshine here in South Florida, you know what, DeForest and everybody else, you got to believe. These days, we're all looking for comfort anywhere we can find it. Thank goodness for Landlubbers, Raw Bar and Grill in the plantation location because they are making sure you are as comfortable as possible. First of all, they're not only open for delivery and pickup. All you have to do is go to landlubbersbarandgrill.com for both pickup and free delivery. Their hours have changed a little bit. Monday through Thursday from 3.30 to 10. And Friday, Saturday, and Sunday from 11.30 to 10. You're going to have the best wings in the world. You're going to have a great burger. You're going to have their amazing soups. Again, Landlubbers Raw Bar and Grill. It's nice and easy. Just go to landlubbersbarandgrill.com for both your pickup and free delivery. Thank goodness for Landlubbers for making you always feel right at home. Hey, folks, Tony Segretto here. You know, since day one, Catholic Health Services has been part of old school. And since we've started letting people know about them, it's changed their lives. You see, Catholic Health Services, while being recognized as one of the top places for stroke rehab in the country, it's also about a group of people who not just excel in what they do, from the doctors to the nurses to the therapist, on and on and on. It's how they do what they do every single day that separates them from the pack. They do it with a passion, unmatched, and the inclusion of family in every step of the process. Trust me when I tell you this. If you want the best unmatched rehab with a special group of skilled, caring people, there is truly only one place, and that one place is Catholic Health Services. Thank you for listening to Believe. 
You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.